Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest director Kevin Lima to the show. Welcome, Kevin. It's great to be here. It really is a pleasure, and I really can't wait to talk about all the amazing work you have done, but I thought we've had so many people who've worked on Brave Little Toaster, and that's one of your first projects for Disney, and I've never really I've never really found anything online about you talking about the project, so I hope you don't mind if I ask a little bit about your work on this, on this specific film, because it's very unique. I'll try to remember. It feels like it was so <laughs> long ago. I worked on let's see mostly all of the incidental characters any of the birds or the animals any of the modern appliances actually it's sort of an interesting story because I went to CalArts and those of us who who were there in those early years thought of nothing other than working at Disney that's all we ever really wanted and when I graduated actually I was the first class where no one was invited to work at Disney so we had to go out into the world and, and find our way. Um, and one of the things, the first thing I actually did was the Brave Little Toaster. And I started in Los Angeles and worked on a lot of character designs. Then I went to Taiwan. And I was there for probably six, six months, five or six months, and animated on the film. And that was, a, that was a, quite an experience because we were expected to do 30 feet of animation a week. And at Disney, they were doing, if they were lucky, an animator was doing five. So going to Taiwan was was quite an adventure. But, you know, I have to say that I'm kind of an adventurous type, and I'm willing to take on things, you know, take on the unknown. You you have worked on so many unique projects, and I'm so glad we, we got to have a video included in the D23 Expo for a Goofy movie. And right. it was so much fun, because I had, I, I had the privilege and honor to work on this, along with Don Hahn and some of the other crew members, and it was just great to see you up on the big screen. <laughs> Everybody was so I, happy. I so wanted to be there. I wanted to be there desperately, because, you know, a Goofy movie doesn't necessarily get a lot of love and we don't even have a blu-ray yet but i think the d23 event really brought that to the forefront i think originally it was supposed to be in a smaller theater we need we have to celebrate many more anniversaries with the goofy movie (laughs) (laughs) so your work as a director on this and you're also the voice of lester i need to i need to tell you that was fantastic always great that scene is always fun to watch and and, your favorite possum well it's it's definitely a different project because when i spoke with bill farmer he said you know nothing had really been done with the goofy character to this extent, you know, talking about his son Max and 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 the hardships of of you know parting ways with your with your son or daughter, and so it was a very unique project. So, how did you kind of get involved with it at first? Well, originally Jerry Reese was um, developing it, and I think he had a conflict, and they were looking for another director. And um, luckily, very luckily, 
um, my name came up and Jerry thought that I was a great pick. And I think they floated my name around to feature animation where I had worked for many years before a goofy movie. And um, everyone said, you know, thumbs up. So I, I got the gig. And really what that movie was about for me was finding a way to keep true to the original characters while speaking to something emotional. I was searching for something that would ground the piece. And what we ultimately came to was what would life be like if your father was goofy? And in a way, that's sort of a universal sort of trait <laughs> is that loads of kids, most kids think of their parents at one time or another as being insufferable. That became sort of the groundwork for the piece. And the real work of, of making the movie was, was balancing that with the comedy of Goofy. You know, how do you make a, a full-length animated Goofy cartoon and still keep the characters true to their origin mm -hmm. while exploring something new and different? And the other thing, too, is that, you know, Disney Animation was on their path making all those great, big, beautiful, you know, classic fairy tales. Um, we thought that maybe we could um, do something more contemporary. And um, I think time has, has proven us, uh, you know, proven us right that we did. We stepped outside of the normal and, uh, and did something that, that's really sort of, you know, held the test of time. Uh, you see a lot more remakes nowadays, and some of them can be very unique. Um, I loved the 101 Dalmatians and the 102 Dalmatians live action films because I think... My my thing is I love Glenn Close, so anything that she does is quite remarkable. But you worked on <laughs> you worked on Tarzan with her first. So was this inspiration to invite her to play this role of of Cruella? Well, actually, it happened the other way around. Is that I had worked with Glenn. She played the mother ape Kala in Tarzan, and when we were working together, she once said to me, "You know, you don't direct like an animation director. You direct more like a live action director. Have you ever thought about doing live action?" And I, of course, just said, you know, being my impulsive self, yes, I would love to try to do that. That would be that would be great fun. And Glenn had already done 101 Dalmatians. I didn't do the first movie. I did the second movie. And for some reason, they'd lost their director. And she went to Disney and said, what about Kevin? And this was about the same time that I had said to Disney, I'm going to go off into the world and direct a live action movie. So it was incredibly fortuitous that those two things happened at the same time, and I was asked to do the movie. Um, I had never done a live action movie before. I had done some theater, so I was, so I was, I had that kind of training. I knew how to work with actors. And, uh, you know, I'd done all the vo voice, voice work on, uh, on my animated films. And working with animators truly is the same exact process as working with an actor. So, um, so I felt fairly confident that I could do that piece of the puzzle, but the, the piece that was really a challenge for me was, was learning how to use a camera and to, and to tell a story in the moment because, you know, the big difference between animation and live action is that in animation, everything is incredibly spread out over time. You're creating a moment of film, but it might take you two years to create that moment of film. In live action, everything's coming together in front of the camera in the moment, and you're recording it, and you're saying, great, we can move on, and then you never touch it again. You can't, you don't have the ability really to affect that moment again. So I had to really buckle down and, and learn a whole new way of, of interacting or of collecting material 
in the making of a movie. So, so it was it was quite a challenge for me to to pull that together on that film. And on top of it, you're working with dogs. And I felt incredibly blessed to be with that woman on that film because she truly took me under her wing and was very patient with a first-time director. <laughs> and because we knew each other from the first film, it made it much easier. And, um, you know, it was a great sort of on, uh, on-set training to go through with her, you know, education which was great, which was really wonderful. And I'm, and I was truly, it was truly remarkable to, to take that path. And another great you got to work with is, is Julie Andrews, you know, know. put that in the books. Eloise at the Plaza. I remember seeing this on Disney channel all the time. And, and I love, I love seeing the Christmas version too. And it's just so much fun because we, you know, you don't picture Julie Andrews as a frumpy nanny. <laughs> you picture her as a Mary Poppins. So right, right. this is just totally, you know, not out of character, but out of character. So, <laughs> you know. Well, at first, a lot of people didn't recognize her in the movie. They were like, who is that? And they, oh, it's Julie Andrews. It's kind of unbelievable. I, You know, that movie, after having gone through 102, was a much easier experience for me. And most of the time you're working with a kid, which allows you to just play. And a lot of the fear goes away. I was, I was having dinner with Sofia Vasileva the other day, who played Eloise at 10. I think she's 24 now. I, I shared that with her. I said it was a really remarkable experience for me because I got to let go of my fear and play as a child. And that has stayed with me with everything I've done now is, you know, I think fear is the, is the enemy of art. Mm-hmm. And... Getting rid of as much of that as you can allows you to be in the moment and present, especially in a live action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a great gift. Of course, we have to come to Enchanted. Enchanted is just one of those films that I, when I went to see it in the movie theater and by the time of That's How You Know, I was I, I just said, this is what I've been looking for for a long time now. <laughs> really, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> well, for me, the movie isn't a parody at all. It's actually a love letter. And it's that's something that I had to actually fight the studio about. I came in and said, you know, I think that we shouldn't make fun of the subject matter. We shouldn't make fun of Disney. We should embrace it and we should show the world that we love it. And in loving it, there'll be a level of humor that you could never get by making fun of it. And when I became involved, I said, I want to take it in this whole different direction. And um, it was basically a start over in in my hands, but they were willing to go on that journey and figure out what that was. We were, I was very lucky to have um, Dick Cook and Nina Jacobson at the at the helm at that moment because I think um, with with so much fear about taking on their the Disney canon, they they were incredibly trustful of of, of moving in this direction. So um, the first draft didn't have music throughout the entire movie. It had one song at the very beginning, which was a which was a parody of of the opening of Beauty and the Beast, and I sort of wanted to turn it all on its ear, and I said, "Let's make this whole movie, the character's journey, a uh, you know, a reflection of all the things we love about every princess movie." So at that moment, we added you know five songs to the movie, 
And if you watch, the you know, interesting thing about the songs is if you actually look at them, they, they move and support Giselle's growth as a woman. You know, they start very much as a, as a cliche animated movie. Then they move into the live action world and she sings a cliche Disney song in a live action world. Then she breaks open and enchants a whole community. Then she goes to the ball and she's becoming much more human now. And the songs leave her mouth. She doesn't sing that song. It's sung on stage in the moment. And at the end of the movie, it's a total reflection of the real world and her real self. Because now it's a, a needle drop song. Nobody, nobody is singing it in the, in the space. It's just music playing over scene. So the songs, you know, it's one of the things we worked on really early was how can the song support her emotional journey? And then came the idea of let's just laid in the whole piece with Easter eggs, little things that, uh, that the audience can, can, can find and take some joy in knowing, you know, that's, I think it's part of the, the wonder of that movie is that if you know anything about Disney, you're spotting things here and there and you get this little adrenaline rush when, when you're watching it. Cause, Oh, that's from sleeping beauty. Oh, that's an idea from snow white. Oh, now, she, Oh, she's wearing that. That's like when, you know, so it's, so it was, it was a great joy. It was, it was probably one of the most wonderful experiences I've had in creating a, you know, a work, a film, because I got to embrace what I love in life. And, and that's the animated movie and it's specifically, you know, Disney films. I wanted to be a a Disney animator since I was like five years old. I think I told my mother, well, my mother tells me I told her after seeing Jungle Book in 1967 that I was going to make that when I grew up. And here I was, you know, working on Enchanted, which is a total appreciation and love letter for things that, uh, you know, for something that I had, um, I had loved my entire life. And I know that there's going to be a sequel. And unfortunately, you are not going to be attached as a director this time around. But I really wanted to to ask you, you know, are, are you going to be involved in any aspect of the film or coming back as the voice of Pip in New York? Because you did the voice of Pip in New York for the first film. Honestly, I don't know. And um, so I don't know. I would, you know what, I would love to be involved. I would love to, um, you know, I would have loved to have directed the piece. But I, but I made a choice to, to move on and to create, um, you know, original material. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'd love to be Pip again. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show, Kevin. And, and I want to make sure, as you already said, you are working on 13. But are there any other projects that you are working on that maybe we could keep an eye out for? Yeah. Actually, um, you know, one of the big things that's happening in my life is that my wife, I don't know if you know this, I'm married to Brenda Chapman. She and I, after all these years being in the business together, but never having worked together, have actually just written a screenplay that we're going to go out with at the beginning of the year. It's a movie that embraces the animated world and brings together like every genre of animation in one movie. It's a mashup like 2D and 3D and puppets and clay. 
and uh, create this big old fantasy world. I love anything to do with animation, so I'm very excited. And please tell her I loved her work on Brave. She did a very beautiful job with that. So before we end, I have three Disney-themed questions I call the Fab Three. And I always ask all my guests these questions, so we'll start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Well, I think I've already talked about it, but that would be Jungle Book. First movie I saw, the movie that made me want to be an uh, an animator, work in this business. And our goofy question, what Disney character, besides the ones you've played in the past, do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, my. I would probably say would be my best friend. I would pick Baloo. And our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? I'm so boring. Well, I you're want to not. be like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Thank you so much, Kevin. This was a lot of fun, and I'm going to be first in line for your next film. You, yours and Brenda's film. I can't wait. Great, great. <laughs> I'll, I'll look for you. Ever after.